Welcome to episode 203 of the Various Assembly Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who is re-engaging his smoking habit, John Scott Sloat. I love my smoking habit. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's... It's been a hot minute since we've been in the studio together. Because yeah, I mean, we did last week's episode on like Friday before. Yeah, yeah. So I was getting ready to preach John. Yes. Which is why we did the episode we did. Yes. And you were getting ready to uh, get on a plane. Uh, well, in a few days after that, yeah, to, to, to go out of town for a week. Mm-hmm. So, And we'll talk more about that. Momentarily, I think. Yeah, that's where today's episode comes from. There you go. There you go. Uh, one thing about doing a weekly podcast is that you you begin to view the entirety of your life through the lens of content. Is, is this content? Yeah. Could this be content? Yep. Can we make this into an episode? Yeah. Uh, we're going to try <laughs> with this one. With this free content. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, – uh, so this uh, – we're recording on our normal Monday time frame and it's the week of Thanksgiving. So you got big plans for, for the Thanksgiving holiday? Uh, let's see. So um, I took off – we have a half-day Wednesday. I took a half-day Wednesday off and then obviously Thursday and Friday off. I mean turkey. Uh, we, we do pretty traditional Thanksgiving mm-hmm. sorts of things. I always cook the turkey. That's sort of become my role in both families now. So both uh, my parents and my wife's parents, I, I've become the the turkey cook. And so very much looking forward to doing that. I love doing that. That's a lot of fun. And then uh, yard work probably on Friday, getting the getting the leaves out of the yard, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's probably happened this week. When do the uh, Christmas decorations go up? Mm, they're up. They're already up. Yeah, I probably uh, the indoor ones are up. So probably, okay. if you if you count just indoor, probably sixty seventy percent of our Christmas decorations are up. All right. So, I gave my wife the go ahead this year. Okay, like I could control her in this way, <laughs> but uh, gave her the go ahead because we're hosting Christmas this year, and it just oh. we've been thinking about Christmas since like end of August. We've been thinking about Christmas. And okay. getting ready for Christmas, and it just has loomed large. So we, I, I, I have said yes. Let's start early this year. Okay, but none of the outside decorations are up. No, not yet. Okay, probably this weekend, I imagine. All right. Well, I hope the weather cooperates for you. I hope so too. I mean, we'll, we'll depending on the weather, we'll call an audible. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, uh, we are a. Uh, no, no decorations and no Christmas music before Thanksgiving household. Yeah, that that's normally the kind of person I am. Uh, my wife is not that way. Yeah. My wife likes the Christmas music early, and I think has been listening to it for a while now. <laughs> Hard to get a firm date from her on when she started. Yeah, but with with hosting Christmas this year, which is which is a big deal for us, we've we've jumped in a bit early. A bit premature. Okay, that's fair. Hey, every household's got to got to got to make their own decision on that one. So, 
All right. Well, if you would like to get in touch with us and um, find out John's secret to smoking an excellent turkey, you can find us on Twitter at VNSPod. You can email the show, Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on YouTube. And we would love for you to leave a five-star rating and a review would be appreciated as well. Amen. All right, John. So last episode, because we recorded early, we really couldn't talk much sports. And uh, what sports we did was limited. So uh, we can kind of catch up a little bit now. Okay. Uh, Let's start with college football. Um, Ohio State uh, took Minnesota to the woodshed, uh, beat them 37 to 3, which was about what would have been expected. Okay. Uh, And uh, that team up north uh, struggled against Maryland, winning 31-24. But that game was in doubt until the very end. Mm -hmm. And still without, uh, you know, their fearless leader. Yes. So uh, I think we recorded that episode on like that Friday morning. And then that afternoon they announced, by the way, Harbaugh is suspended for three games. Yeah. And then we were texting about how they screwed up our podcast basically. Totally. Totally. Uh, which so, which the Big Ten came down with that on a Friday before Veterans Day when yeah. the courts would not be open so they couldn't make an appeal. Yes. Yes. Though – Though they I, never appealed, did they? Uh, oh, they, they did. And then the day before the the hearing for the temporary restraining order, uh, Michigan withdrew its appeal for the or hmm. withdrew its request for a temporary restraining order and just decided to accept the three game suspension. So he's suspended through Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State. Correct, but nothing after that. So he's back. Correct. Correct, which very well could be the college football playoff. Could be if they can if they can beat Ohio State. You don't think there's any any way they lose to Ohio State and still make the playoff? No, not a chance. Hmm. Not a chance. Hmm. Um, Is there any chance Ohio State loses to Michigan and makes the playoff? A very slim one. I mean, but more than Michigan? Yes, because they have a better schedule. Okay. Um. So, uh, I mean, look. I have lots of thoughts on this. Some of them are not necessarily for the pod. <laughs> but uh, basically what it seems happened was that uh, Michigan was was uh, going to go ahead with this court hearing for um, to, to get a temporary restraining order to get Harbaugh back on the sidelines. And apparently the Big Ten came along and said, Here's some additional evidence we have about your malfeasance. Mm-hmm. We would suggest that you accept the uh, suspension and just let it be. Or we could do more based on what we know. And suddenly Michigan decided ah, three games is probably good enough. <laughs> I assume they showed them that evidence. That's what I what I understand happened, yes. And – they were talking a big game about leaving the Big Ten. Yeah, that'll never happen. That's ridiculous. Which which seemed like it's tomfoolery. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and so uh, – I also don't understand – and I, I do not have a dog in this fight whatsoever. Right. 
I don't understand the Michigan fans I saw on Twitter arguing for, like, nothing's been proven. You get your day in court. Mm-hmm. Um, all, all these things, like, nothing, we don't know anything. And it's just yeah. like, mm, I think we know a lot. Yes. Yeah, it's ironic that for all of the bluster of we want due process, we want our day in court, when they had an opportunity to go to court to have that day. discussion, they backed down and decided, yeah, not so much. Hmm. Because as part of that, the Big Ten could have put Jim Harbaugh on the stand under oath and asked him questions that he may or may not want to answer under oath about certain things going on in the program. Specific, any specifics? Well, just about what he knew and didn't know about this whole sign-stealing uh, scandal. Uh, it's strange that uh, you know, with all these protestations of, of innocence, uh, so on that Thursday, they decided to drop the request for a temporary restraining order. And then the very next day, Michigan fired its linebackers coach hmm. for allegedly trying to cover up or destroy evidence for this investigation. Fun. It's not good, John. That's a dumpster fire up there. I mean, Harbaugh, don't forget, Harbaugh started the season missing the first three games because of a suspension. Mm-hmm. And now he's missing the final three games. What were the first three games for? There's the, the, They still have not resolved an NCAA investigation into recruiting violations. Okay, that's what I was thinking. But they suspended him for recruiting violations? The NCAA did not. The Big Ten did? No. Michigan did? Michigan did. But here's the thing. Michigan went to the NCAA and said, if we suspend him four games, will you basically take that as – and call it even, like call it done? And the NCAA said, no, we're not willing to commit to that. Which should tell you that they think there's a chance that we yeah. would suspend you more, that that's not adequate. So Michigan went ahead and suspended him three games anyway, just as sort of a you know, token when they were playing the Sisters of the Poor and their cousins for the first three weeks of the season. And it didn't matter if he was on the sidelines. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a PR stunt, oh, really, totally. right? Like totally. he served a suspension for this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's – it's far from over and things keep sort of dribbling out in terms of additional things, additional uh, accusations. Okay, I'm looking for a prediction. Is Jim Harbaugh the coach of Michigan next year? No. Okay. Where is Jim Harbaugh? Is Jim Harbaugh coaching next year? And if yes, where? I think he's in the NFL. Okay, that's what I think too. Um, maybe the Bears. Yeah, that's that's my summation as well. But I don't know. I mean, I mean, the NFL has come out and said if there is some sort of like penalty against Jim Harbaugh, they will not just let him avoid it by going into the NFL. So that that they would essentially honor or carry through some form of punishment if the NCAA comes back and says. Yeah, he was in the wrong. If he were still here, we'd punish him with this. The NFL has said, well, we'll go with that. We'll really? Go with, yes. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't think they usually work together like that. 
Uh, they did it against Jim Trestle when, hmm. when he got fired at Ohio State. Jim Trestle became an analyst for the Colts, and they made him serve, I think, a three-game suspension from the NFL. Based entirely on stuff that was going on at Ohio State. Interesting. So uh, I don't know. I, I think between the investigation and between um, the, uh, the fact that Michigan has 44 seniors on that roster. They're going to lose a ton of mm-hmm. people. And next year's schedule is very tough. And they could be you know, suffering a bowl ban. Like, there's all sorts of things that could come down hmm. on them. And so I think, I think Harbaugh is gone. Okay. I think he just leaves to avoid it. That's my thought. And, and so ends an era. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We'll talk about the Jim Harbaugh era at Michigan. I can't wait for the 30 for 30 to come out on this in like 10, 15 years. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. Michigan pleats. Yeah. Well, they already have one uh, 30 for 30 on the Michigan basketball team from the early 90s, mm-hmm. the Fraud Five. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, uh, the game is this weekend. Yeah, Saturday. You do anything special? Uh, just hunkering down in the basement. Biting your nails nervously. Yeah. The yeah. boys coming over, anything like that? John is coming home, and Jake will be there as well. Okay. So, just Any girlfriends f- making appearances? No. Okay. Just be the four of us. Is that by design or just by happenstance? That's by – I mean, Jake's girlfriend is more than welcome to join us, but she'll be at home with her family. Okay. Because it's Thanksgiving weekend, so. Oh, that's true. It's not like they live a ton of huge mileage away. No, no, but. Huh. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be watching the game with my wife's family. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Given the fact that Michigan has been on the decline in terms of how they've been playing and Ohio State is on the incline in terms of. You're feeling pretty good? I'm feeling much better than I did two, three weeks ago. Hmm. Um, Three weeks ago, Michigan was a seven-point favorite. Now they're down to three and a half. And where's the game? In Michigan. Okay. I mean, home field advantage is supposedly worth three points, yeah. right? So that more or less kind of tells you Vegas thinks it's on a neutral field. It's a toss up. Yep. It's a coin flip. Uh, okay. Um, let's talk about them, John. Your J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Yeah. I'd like to plead the fifth. <laughs> well, um, I mean – they lost to the to the Buffalo Bills thirty two to six. Yeah, we got trounced. We scored a touchdown though. There you go. That's progress. Though, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean I'm sure. I mean, obviously, uh, the the lasting images of Zach Wilson going out from the sideline and falling down and falling yes, tripping yes, over his own yes, feet with yes. nobody within ten yards of him. <laughs> Yep. That's our quarterback. Or was our quarterback, I should say. Yeah. So the Jets are four and six now, right? Four and six. Okay. We pretty much have to win out, I think, to make the playoffs. You think? Maybe nine wins would get you in. Nine and seven. Well, nine, nine and eight. Nine now. and eight, that's right. Um I mean they could go six and one. If they go six and one, I think they'd probably get in at ten and seven. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Nine and eight's a coin flip. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the Patriots are bad. 
We already lost to them once. I know, but um, the Dolphins. I don't know who the Dolphins are. You know, I just I, don't I just don't know. We've played the Bills twice. Yeah, we do have an easier schedule in the back half of the season. Mm-hmm. However, that doesn't seem. We, I mean, we lost to the Raiders. I mean, if you could get if you could get Aaron Rodgers back, he's talking about mid December return. Okay. We'll see. Yeah, I, I don't think it's hooey personally. Well, and especially if if they have zero or almost no chance of making the playoffs, he's not coming back. Then no. you don't bring him back. No. You, you get him fully healthy for the next year and make what's, your run. What's really interesting is I think the drama around the team because Rodgers came to play for this head coach, for this general manager, mm-hmm. for this offensive coordinator. Normally, you have – this is his fourth season with this. The head coach. The head coach yeah. and the fifth season for the GM. They have not made the playoffs or even sniffed them. Mm-hmm. You would think – now that defense is incredible. Mm-hmm. But you would think they would be fired. But Aaron Rodgers likes them. Yeah, I, I, they're not going to fire anybody because no, the the owner doesn't want to upset Aaron Rodgers and his 100%. ticket sales next year. Right, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, agreed. He just can't do it. No. Now they needed to take Zach Wilson out two weeks ago. Um, yeah, but you want to know what? I don't know that Tim Boyle or <laughs> Trevor Simeon is going to be much better. Yeah. This. Maybe, but we'll see. I, it's hard to imagine them being much worse. Um, now, I, I don't think all the offensive woes are on Zach Wilson. There's some no. other issues. I mean, your boy Garrett has fumbled twice in the last three games. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been offensive lines a mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, now, I think this is a coaching issue. They keep uh, getting holding calls when they have a big chunk play or something. Yeah. Tight ends dropping the ball. I mean, it's, it's Alan Lazard has ten drops on the season. Yeah, it's not good. No, no, it's not. Won a game basically. Yeah, yeah, you can't have that. No, you're. This is your professional job that you get paid millions for. Yeah, catch the ball. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, we'd have to win out. I mean, basically, Twitter is going. This is hard to watch. It is. Well, and they made all these plans to put them on national TV. Because yes. they assumed, of course, Aaron Rodgers is going to be there and they were going to be good. And Rodgers is not there and they're not good. And so, you know, the, yeah. the, <clears throat> we're getting a steady I, steady dose of bad. I, I still don't know that that offense is good with Aaron Rodgers. I think it's much, much better. And we're scoring points. Sure. I don't know if we're top half in the league or anything like that. Yeah, probably not. But we're not. 32nd. Correct. Yeah, we, oh, yeah. We're, we're at least 17, 16, maybe 15. But yeah. 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 Rogers would definitely um, cover a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. So he can sling the ball real nice. Well, and he, he reads defenses at an elite level. So mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, it, it's rare you're ever going to confuse Aaron Rodgers. That seems to be happening relatively regularly to Zach Wilson of being confused. I don't know. If you're always confused, it <laughs> don't, doesn't have to be a state of unconfusion for there to be a state of confusion? I don't know. I don't know. So uh, we should probably move on. Goodness, we're this far into the episode. We're still talking sports. You ready to move on? Sure. All right. So, John, today we are talking about what happens when professional Bible nerds convene. The Various and Sundry Podcast. No. Uh, 
Yeah, we're talking about two conferences. Yeah, uh, that you attend pretty much every year. Uh, just the first one every year. Okay. The, okay. the other one uh, every few years, maybe. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's surprising to me. All right. So let's talk first conference first. Could you give me a? It's called ETS. Yes. And they don't chant that, right? No, there are there. They, they don't put a J no. in front of it and go J E T S. Jets, jets, jets. There are no chants. But that's the name of their journal, right? Yes. Um, yeah, jets. Jets. Jur- journal of the Evangelical Theological Society. Okay, yes. so Evangelical Theological Society. Could you give me like, what's the elevator pitch like? You're going to ETS. What even is that? So basically, it is a gathering of uh, professional. Bible scholars and theologians who are evangelicals. So basically people who end up teaching in Bible colleges and seminaries, as well as pastors. Some pastors attend as well. And uh, they uh, we present uh, academic papers on different areas of research. And so it's a chance to present research, to have debates and discussions about uh, disputed issues and um, to further the – the scholarship, the academic work, the scholarship of evangelical scholars. So uh, how long is the conference? So it's uh, three days. Three days. So give me like what does an average day, big picture look like at one of these conferences? Well, it's going to vary, but uh, I mean they, they schedule uh, sessions where where uh, people present papers. Mm-hmm. Um Throughout the whole day, basically, there are some. There are a few plenary sessions where it's just one big thing where everybody goes to, and then otherwise they're like think of breakout sessions at a conference or something like that. So, um, you know, there'll be a, a, a group doing papers on the Pauline epistles or another one on um, Aquinas and his value for uh, the church today, or you know. Um, Old Testament uh, wisdom literature and what are key issues going on in that. So just think about all those kind of different areas. Yeah. So you have these different breakout sessions where uh, a variety of scholars will present papers and then take questions from uh, from the audience. And when you get up and, and you presented a paper this year. I did. Now, mine was a little different in that they requested in advance to have three other scholars read my paper in advance hmm. and then prepare short responses. And then we had a uh, little interaction, dialogue, panel discussion kind of thing. Okay. And what was your paper on? It was on typology. So the title of it was Looking Both Ways When Crossing Typology Street. Basically making an argument for that typology is both forward-looking there, – there are both forward-looking and backward-looking kinds of typology in the Bible, meaning some types in the Old Testament are clearly types. Like in their original Old Testament context, you look at them and go, that's anticipating something later and greater. Mm-hmm. Other types are not recognizable in their original context as pointing forward, but later scripture – looks back and says, actually, that was pointing forward to this reality. Oh, okay. 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 And so, so scholars tend to divide into one of two camps and say typology is either only forward-looking mm-hmm. or only backward-looking. And I just try to argue it's both. There are both kinds. 
Yeah. Let's, it's like, why can't we just recognize both kinds? And and who responded to your papers? Are we allowed to say names? Sure. Okay. Well, it's public record. It's not, okay. not top secret. Uh, so the re- three respondents were uh, David Firth. Okay. He's who, in he's in England somewhere. He's an Old Testament scholar at Trinity College in um, Bristol, England. Okay, uh, well known Old Testament scholar. You and I read one of his books. Yeah, yeah, on Joshua. Uh, on uh, well, it's on the uh, well, it's on the historical books there, right? Joshua, right. Judges, yeah. Ruth. Yeah, it was, well, it's called including the stranger, basically yeah. Gentile inclusion within the the historical books. Hmm. Um. And also, has, he's written a, a commentary on Joshua that's in the same series that my Galatians commentary is in. Lovely gentleman. He's an Australian teaching in the UK. And and is this the first time you've ever interacted with him? Yes. I remember when we read his book, you went, I think I'd get along with this guy. I, I think yeah. I'd like this. So he's he's enjoyable. Yes. I actually providentially ended up having dinner with him. Oh, nice. After, after, uh, a couple of days after – a day after the session, yeah. We – Bumped into each other. Each of us were uh, going to the same place to get dinner, unbeknownst to each other. And so we ended up sitting and having a nice conversation. Nice. Lovely man. Uh, so he was one – Daryl Bach. OK. He's a big name. He is a big deal uh, from Dallas Theological Seminary. OK. So just the two of them responded? And Cindy – Cynthia is her published name. Cynthia Westfall who teaches at – Canada? She's in Canada. Is it, is it McMaster maybe? OK. I think that's where she's And what at. were the responses to your sort of just like both waysism when it comes to typology? <laughs> uh, they, I thought you would enjoy that. There you yeah. go. They are uh, – <laughs> they were very favorable. They basically said we agree with your general premise. Um, so they, they kind of picked at some of the uh, – some of the details. OK. So um, – so it was encouraging just to to get their feedback. And uh, one issue we discussed was sort of the area of authorial intent. How do you think through authorial intent, both the human author's intention and the divine author's intention in understanding typology? Hmm. So, was it uh, well attended? It was. Yeah, good crowd. Good crowd. What's a good crowd at ETS for for us for one of these breakout sessions? Well, I think for my session there was probably. 60 to 75. Okay. So I'd call that a – I mean in the large scheme of things, that's on the – sort. that's in the upper middle of good-sized groups. But I imagine if like Don Carson's presenting something on – that's going to be a pretty big draw. Sure. Yeah. So uh, unfortunately at the exact same time as mine, there was a whole session on Doug Moo's uh, book, uh, A Theology of Paul and His Letters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he – Presented and they had like four different respondents, including uh, Greg Beal, uh, Mike Bird. <laughs> so these are all big names. Yeah, in this, in yeah. This realm. <laughs> so I'm like, sweet, awesome, thank you. That's great. Like, I want to go to their session. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's a good crowd. Um, got some good questions from the floor as well. Okay. So. Any notable people attend your session? Anybody that our that our listeners would know? Jim Hamilton. Okay. Did Jim Hamilton ask a question? No, but I I gotta imagine Jim Hamilton's favorable to your position. Uh, well, we disagreed. Uh, really, he, he's pretty much all in on the forward-looking only typology. Hmm. And uh, I said, yeah, sure, but not only. Like, there's backward-looking stuff too, mm-hmm. Jim. So we're good friends. So yeah. Uh, 
He took it's funny. He took he took some pictures of me while I was presenting and texted them to me. And in the midst of me presenting, he also texted me, "I'm glad it's clear you know where we disagree." <laughs> <laughs> so, Jim's a good guy. Uh, so that was fun. Um yeah. So and there were some Grace alumni that popped in there as well. Really? Yeah. Any any notable notable names that our listeners would uh uh, well, uh, that our listeners would know, not necessarily. Okay. Kim in Chicago. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Michael in Ohio. Michael in Ohio. He's a professor as well. Okay. You know who that is. I'm sure I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those were those were two. Uh, our own Dr. Ratza, Tiberius, was there. Oh, nice, the, nice, there. nice. So, yeah, it's good. Nice. Fun little session. So. Um, and then that's not the only that's not the only conference you did. No, you did a full week of conferencing. Yes. And well, then, so let me finish up. Just the what does a typical day look like? So we we're talking oh, yeah, about yeah, different, yeah, yeah. like yeah. you know, there's there are these sessions planned throughout the day. Um, but I mean, realistically, like I remember when I first started going to these, I felt this sort of obligation to go to a session anytime there was a session offered. Yeah. I've I've disabused myself of that that false guilt Um, because part of the value of a conference like this is not just going to to papers and hearing what's new in the academic fields and that sort of stuff. But uh, it's connecting with people. Yeah. Um, And so I mean a big part of of the time there is um, catching up with fellow professors who teach other places or um, even Grace alums. Who are out and about serving and catching up with and hearing about what's going on with them. Hmm. Uh, so uh, that's a lot of fun. And uh, and then um, as well, uh, wandering through the book display area. So I hear the the discounts are pretty good. Yeah, most most publishers are at a minimum thirty percent off. Most are forty or fifty percent hmm. off retail. Love that. And so it's good to see what's available out there and then to be able to order at a significant discount. And in addition to that, the presence of these publishers being there uh, provides opportunities to talk with these publishers about book projects, book ideas. Now, now we've covered a lot of territory just now. Yeah, feel free to, to uh, yeah, pick. Yeah. So but co- I want to complete the, the picture day. of what a day looks like. Any, any good conversations with people um, – colleagues or new uh, like buddy academic friends <laughs> I don't know what the right term is you mentioned David Firth yeah like yeah. Um, a- anybody else well it's become a tradition now that uh, at every ETS conference there's a group of us that go out for Mexican food okay so there's Ben Glad of course yeah I knew yeah. he was in there myself yeah. uh, Greg Beal GK Beal okay and uh, Michael Morales. Okay. Yeah. So we go out and um, – Is he a Beelite, Michael? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, n- not not directly, but just in terms of approach to biblical theology and that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, he's in yeah. his sphere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. And so uh, we've managed to find a way to get a publisher – to take all four of us out for Mexican. Oh, so that's it's a great. freebie. Yeah. It's great. It's great. Uh, and this year it was uh, it was the uh, 
a guy from IVP UK. Okay. So, because all of us had published with with hmm. their company, and so, um, but uh, yeah, lots of revelry in those conversations. Um, uh, here's a little anecdote for you. We're sitting we're sitting on the Riverwalk in San Antonio, and I'm sitting next to to Beal, and he has a beverage, and uh, he he spills it. <laughs> All over Mike Morales's uh, book and day planner. No. Yes. <laughs> and he felt terrible, but then he kind of recovers and he looks at me and he goes, "Well, if you wouldn't have bumped me with your elbow, I wouldn't have done that." <laughs> he totally throws me under the bus, and he's yeah. laughing, of course. But yeah. Old guys can get away with that sort oh, of stuff. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. In a way yeah. that us young guys can't get no. away with. No. 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 So. So anyway. Um, that's becoming a tradition that every year the four of us oh, that's fun. go out for Mexican food. I'm sure the Mexican food in San Antonio was incredible. It was very good. It was very good. Hmm. Anybody yeah. else? Anybody else you connect with? Lunch, dinner, breakfast? Do they serve food at this thing or you got to go out? You got to go out. Okay. Um, I got a chance to catch up with uh, with Doug Moo and his wife. So Doug was my doctoral mentor. And, and, and how is Doug? He's doing well. He is uh, He is now retired. He is no longer at Wheaton, and he moved out to the Arizona area. Wow. So him and his wife – I know him and his wife love to hike and do pictures. Are they yes, doing that sort of – They are. Full-time now? Uh, I mean he's he's writing. Okay. And um, – but they moved out nearby one of their sons. Oh, fun. In the uh, – I think in the Phoenix area. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. So it was good to catch up with, with them. Um, I mean there are others, but that's good. <laughs> and then uh, any – then I think our listeners' intrigue would be lifted by this. Uh, publishing conversations. Any mm-hmm. any contracts signed? No, any No contracts Any seeds signed. planted? Uh, well, uh, sounds like yes. Sounds like yes. Uh, oh, he's squirming, I ladies and gentlemen. I can't go into that yet. Oh, come on. Give us a no, – No, no, not yet. Um, I mean, one of the nice things is is meeting with publishers. So, I've got a book coming out next fall uh, called Seven Choices, uh, Seven Hermeneutical Choices for Studying the Bible's Use of the Bible," mm-hmm. co-authored with an Old Testament scholar named Gary Schnicker. Yep. And um, so we had several conversations with folks from Zondervan about um, marketing and and things like that, and actually. Uh, I think we're going to end up doing a um, a live podcast event. Not you and me, but someone else's podcast. Yeah, I assume so. <laughs> is going to they're going to interview uh, Gary and I uh, at the conference and give away a bunch of books and that sort of stuff. So, oh, fun! So yes, and there'll be a, an actual session at ETS where Gary and I will present a little bit about the book, and then um, we will uh, there'll be some respondents. People will, you know, give thoughts, push back, affirm all that sort of stuff, and then you know we'll arm wrestle for academic uh, supremacy. Okay, nice. Uh, okay, I want to move on to the next conference just yeah. real quick. Yep. Uh, I imagine most of the same relationships, publishing conversations, and things happen at this conference. Yes, though it's just a little bit different because it's not evangelical. So right. It's way broader. So think about anybody who does anything in regards to 
the academy in terms of teaching the Bible or religion, they're there. So like the guys from Vanderbilt University are there. Yeah, every, yeah. The guys from Notre Dame are yep, there. 100%, 100%. The guys from Indiana University are there. Yep. yep. Okay. Absolutely. Um, so a little different crowd. A, a little bit more uh, – a few more pink hairs there. Uh, okay. You know, a little more, a little more alternative lifestyle presence. <laughs> There's none of that at ETS. There's a lot of it at SBL. So you presented a paper there as well, and I, yep. uh, we're short on time here because yep. we spent too much time already. Yeah. But uh, give me the breakdown of your paper, and then I know some people responded to it. I'd love to hear what their responses to it yeah, were. Yeah, so assumptions, evidence, and arguments uh, reevaluating the Petrine authorship of Second Peter. So basically I was asked to uh, write a paper explaining what assumptions I bring to the issue of uh, studying – and determining that Peter was, in fact, the author of Second Peter. In the larger critical academy, almost nobody thinks Peter wrote Second Peter. Only really evangelicals and conservatives do. Okay. So my task in that context was to explain essentially not just not, not really to argue for Peter's authorship, but to explain what are the assumptions that I bring to the table and why I think those assumptions are uh, ideal. So uh, other respondents on the panel that people would know, Craig Keener okay. uh, was on there. Uh, so it was – and there were two others. It was pretty well received based on what, that, what I was asked to do. The conversation was good. There was one scholar uh, who – her whole paper was about how understanding how uh, 19th century African-American women using pseudo pseudonyms helps us understand what's going on in Second Peter. That's an interesting take. Yeah. So, you know, so I, I say that just to give you a sense of like the 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 breadth yeah. of things that oh, are out yeah. there. Uh, so anyway, it was a good it was a good panel discussion. So that seemed to be well received, I think. Uh, and then finally, uh, on our last podcast, we brought up uh, Bart Ehrman. Yes. And you had a bit of a, a run-in with Bart Ehrman uh, well, and a little fisticuffs. <laughs> that's, that's not quite accurate. I remember sending you a text from the hotel lobby. I'm sitting 20 feet from Bart <laughs> Ehrman and his gaggle of, uh, of groupies. So that, that led to several suggestions from others as I texted them uh, if I was going to go up and talk to him, if I was going to go tackle him, if I was going to try to mm. beat him up. You know, so anyway. And you're here now. So clearly you did not. I did none of those. Okay. I did none of those. Um, Yes, it did lead to – I asked you a good question in that text thread if you remember it. I'm blanking. I'm sorry. Uh, I asked you the question, who or what do you dislike more? (laughs) Bart Ehrman or the University of Michigan? Uh, Well – And I'm – we're not we're not looking for moral purity here. We're looking for Matt Harmon's core truth here. Are, are we talking about visceral reaction? <laughs> um, I, I, that's a tough call. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. It's a tough call. I mean, uh, I know the right answer is Bart Ehrman, but uh, I mean, yeah, asking me on the week of the game. I know. Yeah, that's tough. In the Lord's providence, this has happened. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so. Anyway, uh, I suppose that's a bit of a glimpse into my academic life, into the uh, the realm of academic conferences. But um, yeah, so- sounds like fun. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, and my one thing I liked will come out of that as well. Okay. So okay. Uh, but we should probably move on, don't you think? Yeah, let's do it. 
Time now for This Day in Sports History. This Day in Sports History, November 21st, 2023. Where's the year going, you know? It's flying uh, by. November 21st. Uh, 1953, Notre Dame ties Iowa 14-14 to by faking injuries in both halves. With two seconds to go in the first half, a Notre Dame player stops the clock by faking an injury, and the Fighting Irish score on the next play. With six seconds left in the game, and Notre Dame uh, out of timeouts, two players fake injuries on the Irish, uh, and the Irish score on the last play to tie the game. Can't trust those Catholics. <laughs> wow! Uh, send those comments straight to uh, John Sloat. There, yeah. they they've changed the rules since. So then. you can't so do you that. Can't do this. Yeah. I mean, they would just charge you a timeout, and if you didn't have timeouts. Uh, they, they just, just do, didn't do they, it. They just do a ten-second runoff. So. Yeah, um, yeah. I do. I, I when I'm out talking to people and I'm like, it's kind of by Notre Dame, uh, talking about Grace College. Yeah, and they make a comment about Notre Dame, and I go, yeah. The joke around town is Notre Dame's not really Catholic. <laughs> and I said that once in an airport, and a woman like three tables away went, "I sent my daughters there. It's not a Catholic school. <laughs> There's no religion there whatsoever." Anyway, so um, okay. 1993, top speeded German, top seated, not speeded. (laughs) Is there a typo or did you misread it? I misread it. Okay. It's my dyslexia kicking in. Top seated German tennis player Steffi Graf wins WTA Tour Championship, beats, uh, ooh, uh, Arnska Sanchez (laughs) Vicaria. I have no idea if I got that right. Arancha Sanchez Vicario. Okay. Wonderful. Of Spain. Uh, beats her at Madison Square Garden, okay. New York City. Yeah. Uh, 1982, the NFL resumes play after seven weeks of season were canceled when the Players Association went on strike in September. Mm-hmm. That's sad. Yes. Uh, there's part of me that's convinced we're never going to have one of those huge strikes again just because there's so much money on the table. I don't know. I would think so, but you know, p- people get stubborn. Uh, 2008, Michigan's 42-7 to Drubbing? Drubbing, yes. Wow. Uh, by Ohio State, uh, put a merciful end to the worst season in Michigan's 129 year of intercollegiate football. The Wolverines were 3 and 9, the most games they ever lost in school history. Yeah, that's a shame. That's a real pity. Uh, 2021, Alexander uh, Zarev of Germany captures his second ATP Finals men tennis title, defeating the world number two, uh, Danil. Medev. Medvedev. Medvedev in Turin in uh, Italy. There you go. All right. Who do you like out of that, John? Goodness gracious. Um, who do you, I mean, it could be a situation as well. Obviously, we don't. some of these are not name specific. I kind of like the Notre Dame one. Okay. I mean that well, – well, Okay. So we're going to title that Notre Dame Cheats or Bends the Rules – um, Notre Dame not Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Doubling um, down. Okay. Oh, can, my goodness. We can go with that. That's fine. Yeah, let's make it Notre Dame, though. Let's not do Notre Dame not Catholic. I don't want to get... – getting that Catholic hate is uh, is next-level hate. Yeah. I mean, that's centuries of hate right there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so, all right. One thing you liked. All right. So, last weekend, I had the opportunity to preach at Waynesboro <clears throat> Grace Church, uh, church of my good friend Tim Clothier. Uh, and just getting a chance to be with those people and to spend the afternoon with his family was uh, was a good mm-hmm. time. Got to watch football. Got to see 
children that I held as babies that are now like grown human people. Teenagers? Yeah, one of them is a teenager. Okay. Um, yeah, the rest of them. Like their, their boy, who's nine years old, mm-hmm. watched football with me and would listen to the commentator and then repeat everything the commentator said to me who's sitting next to him. Okay. So he said that stage of watching football is pretty yeah. funny. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so mine, one unexpected thing that happened while at ETS was um, connecting with a former youth pastor of mine huh. who was a youth pastor of mine for one year growing up. And he is now a um, – he's now a pastor out in New Hampshire. And um, he's been heading up a church plant there. I mean to call it a church plant now is probably a little anachronistic. I mean he's been there for like 20-plus years. So, uh, But I hadn't seen him. I think since since my high school days, I think I'd seen him – I've seen him before this once hmm. about 10 or 12 years ago. Wow. So to unexpectedly be able to catch up with him – uh, and his wife. His wife was there. Oh, lovely. So that was a lot of fun. I was an usher in their wedding when I was like <laughs> 14 or something like oh, that. Oh, that's fun. So, uh, but yeah, just great to great to actually catch up with him. And he's doing, uh, uh, the Lord's doing amazing work through him and his family there. Uh, they are in, um, I think it's Hanover, New Hampshire, which is relatively close to Dartmouth. Okay. Uh, and so um, just a really interesting situation. Like, they, they had to go all the way to the Supreme Court of the U.S. to get the zoning commission in their town to allow them to zone a piece of property to build a church. Hmm. And so they've been going through this long extended legal process to get that. But that's in part because, as he was telling me, there has not been a new church built in that town in something like 60 or 70 years. Wow. It's just That's incredible. It's just so you know spiritually dead. Yeah. So Yeah, we need we need more good church planters headed to the northeast and yeah. the east coast. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So All right, John, we have talked about your smoking habits. We have talked about college and pro football. We've talked about my trip to San Antonio for academic conferences. We've talked about Notre Dame bending the rules and the fact that you think they're not Catholic. We have talked about your trip to Pennsylvania and hanging out with uh, a good friend and his family. And we talked about a former youth pastor of mine. Nice. I think by definition, we have covered our various and sundry topics. And so all that's left to say is, until next time, the Lord bless you all real good. Later. Later.